Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. And welcome to the HP Podcast. I'm Ben, and with me here is Davy Baby. Good evening, Davy. I said Davy Baby. I meant Davy Baby. They both rhyme, but I, I don't know what Baby means. Uh well, you should find out because it's you. I like Davy <laughs> Baby. I think you coined that term, so we'll stick with that. Davy Baby. Okay. Davy Boy's good too, but I like Davy Baby. Yeah, you, you mean your own wife didn't, doesn't even call you Davy Baby? No, her nephews do though. Uh, oh really? They 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 say it jestfully, and then I I stare them, I give them daggers, and then they stop doing it, and then uh, <laughs> they they go back to sir. <laughs> uh yeah yeah. Uh, Brandon is not with us today, so here's it's a little bit of a weird thing. We we record at Dustin's house, and many of you know who Dustin is. Dustin's a little under the weather right now, and we have like you know I have a mic at home because I do other podcast stuff, and Dave has a mic at home. Um, but we've always like buy equipment for the podcast and it just stays in our studio at Dustin's. And so Brandon uh, didn't doesn't have a mic at home. And he was like, I'd rather not be bad quality. And we're not going to go over to Dustin's because he's not feeling well. So that's why he's not here. He was bummed because he wanted to talk about Vanguard. We'll probably save that conversation for next week so we can all three talk about that. But that's why Brandon's not here tonight. And Phil, well, you know, it's Phil. He's not here because he's Phil. So subscribe on uh, subscribe on Patreon so we can get Brandon a microphone for his home. Wow, that would that's actually a brilliant idea. There we go. It would be. Uh, <laughs> other than that, yeah, just subscribe on Patreon. Go over to patreon.com slash handsome phantom. You can sign up for a dollar a month, as little as a dollar a month, to get ad-free early access to the show. Of course, this week, it's a day late. But it's still going to be early to, to you patrons. You're going to get it still a day earlier than... All the free scrubs. Actually, the, the free scrubs outnumber the patrons, so I should probably not insult them. <laughs> well, maybe after we, we have the branded microphone drive, then uh, that, that will change. The scales will tip in the other direction, as it were. The odds will ever be in our favor. Sounds good. Dave, do you want to talk about some video game stuff? I suppose. Okay. Um, I don't know how much of, how long of a show we'll have tonight, but it's we're going to talk about the things that seem interesting. The first one. Steam Deck, you remember the Steam Deck, right, Dave? Did you did you pre-order a Steam Deck? I absolutely did not. I didn't think you would. Did you? Uh, I did not either because I just can't see a use case for me. I'm if I'm gaming, I'm probably at home. If I'm not at home, I'm probably playing my Switch. And even then, I take my Switch with me on trips and never touch it. So I didn't see the use case for me, but I know that for a lot of people, it's a good thing. Anyway, for those people that it's a good thing for, they're gonna have to wait a little bit longer because the Steam Deck has delayed their shipping. Uh, this comes from the official Steam store page. It says, quote, the launch of Steam Deck will be delayed by two months. We're sorry about this. We did our best to work around the global supply chain issues, but due to material shortages, components aren't reaching our manufacturing facilities in time for us to meet our initial launch dates. Based on our updated build estimates, Steam Deck will start shipping to customers February 22, this will be the start, new start date of the reservation queue, so all reservation holders keep their place in line, but dates will shift back accordingly. And so, of course, they're going to update those shipment dates and everything. So if you did order a Steam Deck and you haven't heard about this yet, you can go look and see if your, if your date has updated uh, as well. Um, Dave, I think, yeah, it's important. I mean, the Steam Deck is going to be a big thing in the industry, but really, I'm just... Do you think we're going to start seeing even more or even or, or less delays on stuff? Because we've seen a lot of like game delays, but hardware, 
not so many delays, but it, it could start happening. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what the availability has been like for uh, the only comparison I can draw right now, um, which is the the Switch OLED. Um, I assume it's still a hot ticket. I don't, I don't know how much of that is because it's 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 you know a new Switch model, or if it's because there are you know supply shortages affecting that as well. Um, or maybe a combination of the two, but yeah, I mean, I'd say that's it's, probably likely. It's tough to say, you know, what else this is going to affect because you know there's really not that much hardware-wise coming after the Steam Deck. But you know, I think the big question in people's mind is really how long are we going to see this affects not only Steam Deck Switch OLED, but just it's still really, really hard to find a PlayStation Five and Xbox Series X, and we know this is going to carry on for a long time, so. I don't know. The situation is not just your typical launch of a new console situation anymore, but this is like, I don't like th- this is still a hot commodity. All all four of these consoles, and it's going to be like this for a long time. So, you know, even if you signed up and you and you you get you know a Steam Deck day one, like how long is it going to be for me if I change my mind and suddenly decide that you know I do want to get this thing? This thing you know, hits the buttons for me. Is it, is the Steam Deck going to be like the PS5 and the Series X where it's going to be almost impossible to find like, you know, a year and a half out. So it's going to be interesting to see how this all materializes. Um, you know, I like to think as we move out of the whole COVID situation that the supply shortages will improve, but I, I, I don't know. I don't see a light at the end of the tunnel. Do you? No, I don't. And it's interesting because we we always think about the consoles, but the other thing is the graphics cards right now. Yeah. Uh, of course, that plays into it, but just the graphics cards for PCs. I was at my cousin's place over in Cincinnati uh, last weekend or weekend, weekend before, and he wanted to run to Micro Center to get something for his computer. And um, we got there and it was like, I don't know, an hour after they opened or something. And there was still like a huge line out through the parking lot. And I was like, I just kind of looked at him. I'm like, what are you guys in line for? As we were walking in, just because I was curious. I thought maybe it was like, you know, they're limiting how many people can be in the store still or something like that. And they were like, oh, graphics cards. And I was like, oh, wow. I mean, I knew they were still in limited supply, but I didn't realize there were still like dozens and dozens of people, presumably at every micro center and everywhere else in the country on Saturday mornings trying to get these cards. So like, yeah, it's it's definitely affecting a lot of things. The only good part of it is that my old graphics card that I replaced I don't know, eight months ago, uh, six or eight months ago, I looked today and it is literally selling for double what I paid for it when I bought it almost two years ago now. Damn. That's the only good thing I can think of that's come out of this, uh, for me at least, not for the person who buys it. But yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. And I think, uh, I mean, at, the, at, at least we haven't started seeing more like, you know, oh, we can't ship these physical games because we don't have the plastic. Like that doesn't seem to be as much in jeopardy. Um, but then again, we're moving towards more digital. So who knows? Yeah, I think the good thing from the software point of view is that, you know, it seems like all the major developers and even, you know, some of the smaller developers have started to figure out this whole working from home thing and and probably embraced it. So I'm really hoping the delays start to let up. It seems like they have. And some of the release calendar in the next year has really started to solidify. But yeah, I mean, I as I said, I don't see an end in sight for the hardware stuff. And you bring up a good point with the graphics card stuff. And, you know, maybe this is a good thing because those prices really fluctuate with the yeah. graphics card. And I, I would suppose that as long as those things are a hot commodity and the, and the demand is outweighing the supply, then those prices are going to remain sky high, um, you know, both on the primary market and the secondary market. So it'll be really interesting to see. And, you know, I, I assume we're going to get a new batch of graphics cards sometime next year in the middle of the year. So what does that whole process look like? So. I wonder if they'll do that or not. I mean, the tech is going to be ready, probably, I would assume. There may be a slight delay because of COVID, but I wonder if they will come out with, like, if they'll come out with a new set because people are still having such problems even getting the last set. Who knows? They may have to do that just even as a mechanism to take some of the heat off of the 2021 models. Um, You know, that may be part of the solution right there is just, you know, come out with the new cards, regardless of, you know, what they are, obviously they're going to be an improvement. And, you know, then those, you know, 3080s and all that kind of stuff, maybe demand drops a little bit and things even out. So 
Yeah, yeah it's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens both with the Steam Deck in the short term. Again, I'm curious to see what happens with the OLED and then, um, you know, the video card situation next summer. Yeah, it'll be interesting for sure. The next story, I don't know that either of us are going to have too much to say about this particular story. But again, as I like to do with most stories, I like to kind of open it up to a more broad conversation about the the industry rather than just the specific story. Uh, this one comes directly from Bandai Namco's Twitter page says our sincere thanks goes out to all jump force players and fans for their support but with all good things they must come to an end jump forces availability through digital purchase in the americas will end on february 7th 2022 and uh there's an image attached here it basically says like when the sales will end um when the contents will end when the online service will end which is actually not until august of 2022 uh so it's a little bit longer there uh now i don't I'm assuming there was a local vert. You didn't have to play Jump Force online, uh, but I'm not sure. But this is not that old of a game, right? I mean, what, a year, two years now? Maybe I'm getting my timelines confused. No, it's, by, the uh, by the time the service is shut down, it will have been just less than four years because I believe it launched in October years. of 2018. Okay. So not that anybody thought this game was exactly selling gang- gangbusters. I mean, we've seen it you know, run, run on sales for $10, I think recently, but I don't know, like used to, even if a game wasn't selling that well, you still got games that would keep their servers up for a lot of years. And this is coming from Bandai Namco. They're not exactly, I wouldn't assume lacking in money for the amount of money it takes to keep these, a couple servers up to run this game. But I just think it's interesting. I mean, uh, do you feel, am I wrong in thinking that we've seen this start happening a lot more recently with games that aren't that old? Yeah, it's it's definitely surprising, especially with a license as big as, um, uh, you know, Jump Force and, a, mm-hmm. you know, there's the Dragon Ball Z aspect in there. Right. Um, and I guess they just, maybe it's like an Avengers situation where they took, you know, a really big license and they poured a lot of money into it. And, and when you, when you have something that really hinges on the online functionality and it just doesn't pan out, then, you know, long-term doesn't make sense financially. And from a business perspective to really uh, maintain that. And, you know, when I recall when jump force came out, the critical reception wasn't great. Which is, you know, still surprising because even when these licensed games aren't received well from a critic standpoint, they usually have a pretty strong following. But I guess that just wasn't the case with Jump Force. Um, I'm also wondering, you know, if if there's a licensing issue here where it just doesn't make sense for them to maintain whatever licensing fees there are long term. Yeah. Um, you know, you see this with car games sometimes like. I think it was Drive Club or something like that was taken online and and they had still had a, a decent player base even though the game wasn't received well. But maintaining those licenses for all those licensed vehicles long term is it's there there has to be, you know, it, it has to make sense from a business standpoint. If and it just doesn't, then maybe it's not so surprising that they're walking away from jump force at a relatively early time. So Yeah. For sure. Yeah, I, I agree. You you don't think of uh an ip this big with so many other ips that are big um shutting down so quickly and and people losing interest but hey i mean it really is a business it's a financial decision i'm sure because it comes down to it's costing us this much money to keep it up and we only made this much money on the game in general so is it really worth uh, that's probably something that it's hard to figure out like what's you know we're gonna sell this this game one time let's say it's a it's a multiplayer game but it doesn't have a lot of features to do extra purchases we're going to sell this game one time to most people and then we have to figure out how much it's going to cost us to keep it up for you know seven years or something the general timeline of a a console life i would think it'd be a good time period Um, and build that into the budget too so that's something i just now thought about for the first time yeah and it's it you gotta kind of wonder like um why they weren't like like I, okay does a publisher does a developer need to be a little bit more forthcoming in their you know shutting something like this down in in the reason why and you know it doesn't necessarily have to be super detailed but like the Bandai Namco came out and said look we we've decided to walk away from Jump Force's online functionality we won't be maintaining the game anymore 
because we're moving on to other projects or because just something. There are 150 people playing it. it, Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) It's just, it's because basically even if there's the tweet, but even if you go to Bandai Namco's website and read the official announcement, it's just, we're shutting it down on this day. Thank you everyone for your support. So it's a little cold and, you know, Bandai Namco decides to come back to something like this, whether it be in the Jump Force universe or, or Dragon Ball Z or something like that. Like, are people really going to have trust in you um, in the future? So I don't know. I would have liked to seen a little bit more transparency yeah. here on, on why exactly this is happening, but that's not the case. So, right. Yeah. It's interesting. And it, it's really interesting for other, I mean, it, it makes me not that I was interested in jump force. I didn't play it. I didn't even have a desire to play it. It's just not my, I'm not a big fighting game guy. Uh, and, and definitely not a big fan of any of the IP in that game. Well, not any, but very few. But uh, if they come out with another game that I am interested in, I'm going to think like, well, how long are they going to support this game? Uh, realistically, I'm not going to stick with the game probably for four years anyway. But, you know, even if I were, it got, it, it kind of gave me a, a second guess about, hey, and I didn't support this last game for very long. Maybe they won't with this one either. So who knows? Devolver Digital is now a publicly traded company dave and it's going by the handle of devo as in devolver uh now before we get started i should say i am uh, i do have somewhat of a business relationship and i'm friendly with devolver um a few people at devolver uh but i don't have any financial stake or investment or anything like that so but i did want to say that because i know that some people do know that i have a friendly relationship with a few individuals there anyway uh, Devolver posted something, posted this on their uh, website at devolverdigital.com. You can go over and check that out if you like. And they're going to, I'm not going to read this whole thing, but I want to just read a little bit of it. It says, quote, sometime in 2009, a handful of us sat down in Austin, Texas to launch a new video game label that would embrace the fun in video games and never let go. The label would invite developers from around the world to partner with a team of passionate folk whose sole purpose, sole focus is to make their artistic vision a reality. Since then, we'd like to think we've done just that. Devolver Digital has grown in many ways, and from that first picnic table meeting over beers, but our team is still driven to be, bring interesting and unusual games to the forefront and help developers and our fellow, fellow Devolvers achieve their dreams. Today, we've become a publicly traded company. At first blush, that can certainly sound like a departure from a group of friends starting a boutique game label, but it's really a kind of validation for our team and our partners. Uh, they go on to say also that the employees of Devolver are still the majority owners of the company. I think, um, and, and that includes, I think they do that like with all of their employees, not just like the the top dogs or the founders or anything like that. I, I, and I'm, I might be wrong there, but I think that each person gets a little bit of a stake at least. Um, I think I saw somewhere else that the uh, the head guy over at Devolver is going to retain the majority of uh, ownership, uh, or at least the largest portion of the, of ownership as well. And um, so, yeah, they've gone public. They went public on the London Stock Exchange uh, last week, late last week. And they say they're going to continue to be committed. Um, we know that uh, one of the Chinese companies, NetEase, bought in at a, a small percentage. Um, and Sony has also bought in, I think, a 5% stake as well uh, into Devolver. So, Dave... Is Devolver evil now? Do we have to shun them? Devolver will never be evil. Um, my favorite <laughs> line from this this release is when they say, so what does this mean for your sixth favorite game publisher? Yeah. And yeah. they go on to explain in layman's terms about what it means. But um, yeah, I think this it's been great to watch Devolver kind of grow into what they are. And this is obviously a huge step for them. And, and I read this and I think, cool. I mean, they're at a point where they're just going to continue to turn out the games that they do. And, and there's such a personality behind their brand. Um, yeah. You know, over my time with, with working with you at handsome phantom, I've had the, um, the uh, privilege to, to review quite a bit of devolver games. And the, if there's one thing I can tell you about games that are released uh, sorry, published by Devolver, it's they have a distinct personality. And I really mm-hmm. think that Devolver doesn't just take on any game to publish. Um, you know, obviously they take on smaller indie games, but they have, you know, you, you when you see a game is published by Devolver, you know you're going to get something unique, something interesting, something creative, and most importantly, fun. 
I've never played a single game from Devolver that I've thought, okay, this is this is boring. This is, you know, same old stuff. Like there's just a personality that they exude. So I'm really happy to see that, um, you know, they're going public. This means the company is growing. You know, they've, they've started to have their own showcases at E3 and all that kind of stuff. So uh, they're going in the right direction. And I'm really, really happy to see this. So I wish I could invest in this, but uh, they are not traded on the Toronto Stock Exchange or any exchange that I can buy into. Yeah, me, um, me either. So. I Yeah, I don't have access um, to the London Stock Exchange. But they, they are, it's an IPO right now. So who knows that may come um, across. Because as soon as I saw it, I was like, yeah, I'm going in uh, because I believe in them. I like them a lot. Uh, but I mean, like, if you just think about some of the some of the games, like Inscription just came out, uh, you know, it's making waves all over. It's a card game that has a lot of personality to it. Um, you've got Death's Door that made huge waves this year. It's coming to PlayStation uh, here in a little bit, or maybe it already did. I can't remember. Um, you've got Loop Hero, which Dave, you reviewed and loved. You reviewed that, right? Yeah, I did. Okay. And you you love that game. Um, uh, let's see, man, there's so many other games we've reviewed. So of course I'm going to speak highly of them because we've given most of them. I'm just reports. looking at the thumbnail on the, on the thing. And so there's, there's, uh, three, sorry, six titles here. And three of them I've reviewed myself because they have Greece here. They have carry on and, uh, cyber shadow, I believe. No, not cyber shadow. What's the ninja one? Uh, damn it. I can't remember the name of it right now, but anyways, an intro. okay, yeah, yeah, three games right there that I I um I reviewed myself and yeah, they, they all have a really distinct personality and flavor, and it's it's yeah, they're they're a very unique publisher, and I don't I can't actually think of another publisher that has such a distinct feel and personality, and like I can almost see them as a person, and and that's that's unique, and it's not something you get throughout the industry, so right. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, they they feel much bigger than they ever actually have been. But now that may change. Maybe they'll be a little bigger. Now, the one thing I wanted to say is like, we know that when people are a publicly when a company is a publicly traded, that it requires, you know, your job is to do the things that are in the best interest of the shareholders. And what that means to some people might be different than what it means to other people. And certain shareholders may see things one way while others see it a different way. But one thing that we've seen over and over again from these publicly traded companies is just they riddle their games full of microtransactions. And I've seen a lot of fear online about Devolver. You know, they're not known for that. That's not something their games usually contain. Maybe a couple of their mobile games that they've put out, which, by the way, are almost always tied back to IP from non-mobile games that they've released. But do you think that that could be an issue? And if so, how do you think they would handle it? I mean, it's always possible for something like that to happen. And you named a couple of of investors that they had right off the bat that could be concerning. But I mean, only time will tell. The fact that the majority of their shares are being held by employees or sorry, right. something like all, the, I think you mentioned um, all of their employees or shareholders. Right. Hopefully that's a sign that, you know, they're not necessarily doing this to sell their souls and, and control of the company and the and the interest directly to the shareholders, but more they're just positioning themselves for the future. Cause I mean this is a company that has grown rapidly. So at some right. point you need to do something like this just so you can um sit on a, a healthy amount of capital to hopefully fund bigger projects. So um, you know, it looks like they're doing this the right way, at least initially, but uh, I mean as you say it will be interesting to see long term how their games actually evolve now that they are a publicly traded company. And you would think with like, you know, PlayStation, Sony bought in at 5%. First of all, they saw a reason to do that. They see Devolver sales numbers on their platform. And you would imagine that knowing that they like the way the company's working already. So I agree. I don't, I mean, yeah, there may become some of that. We may have, they may have to do that um, based on that, but I don't know. They're a billion dollar valued company and, Everybody thinks of them as an indie darling, so yeah. it's. I think they're. I think they're safe. Okay. And before Edwin Castillo tells me, uh, corrects me, <laughs> I was thinking of Katana Zero. That was the third. The third oh, did you review Katana Zero? I did. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I played that game and absolutely loved it. Uh, honestly, there have been only a couple Devolver games I haven't really, really, really enjoyed. One of them was Sludge Life. It was fine. <laughs> I just didn't get it. I remember you streaming that, and it was it was a weird one. But again, it it's bizarre. it's it's a weird game, but it, it has that bizarre sort of personality, and so many of their games have that. And I get that they they don't really have creative 
reign over all these games that they publish, but there's just something about the games that they choose to publish that are just different. They've got a good eye. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. If you're an athlete, you know, the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. PlayStation could reveal a big remake in December, according to a rumor, of course. This comes from GameCentric.co, and it says, in part, Sony has a history of remakes, having released a totally recreated Demon's Souls alongside the PlayStation 5. Rumors of another legendary PlayStation game being restored continue to circulate around the company. So yet, there's been no solid information on which property it could be, and with Sony's vast library of IPs, anything can happen. However, one person involved in the game's production came out. The timeline for a possible announcement was shortened. In a recent interview, folk singer Eba, I'm not sure how to pronounce this person's name, Eba McMahon, widely known as Eva, confirmed she was involved in recording a session for a yet-to-be-named PlayStation game. She went on to say that she worked on an Irish language composition soon before the COVID-19 pandemic hit. So, Dave, a huge game that's supposed to be a remake that's coming in December, where a lot of people, including myself, are hypothesizing that that maybe means the Game Awards. But also, we know that Sony likes to do things to the beat of their own drum, so maybe not. Uh, what what can you think of? What could there? What could this possibly be? What would you? And if you don't have an idea, what would you like it to be? Um, so I think it's going to be um, Metal Gear Solid Three. Okay. Um, I also think it might be. Symphony of the Night, Castlevania, but I don't know if they would have the rights to remake that and make that exclusive. Um, what I want it to be is Metal Gear Solid 2, because I love Metal Gear Solid 2. Um, I get that that wasn't a PlayStation exclusive back in the day, but that's right. just my wishful thinking. I know some people would say, like, why don't they just remake Metal Gear Solid 1? Uh, we already kind of had that with Twin Snakes, and I know that's going all the way back to um, the GameCube days. But uh, yeah, I think that's there's been a lot of rumble around Snake Eater getting a remake. Uh, so mm -hmm. it just makes sense that that's probably what it is. Um, but yeah, I can't I can't think of anything else um, just based on the rumors I've heard and and you know that kind of stuff. So. I don't know right. what it, what what would you if you had to wager a guess what would you say? Uh you hit most of them on the head right there. Um the other thing I thought is that maybe it's not a uh very big game. Like we we expect them to do a remake of a game that had a huge release or has a huge demand now. Um one thing that you didn't mention, I think you didn't mention that I would have a inclination that might be coming it'd be bloodborne just because i think that there probably is a bloodborne bloodborne sequel in the works um that makes sense to me but i don't have any reason to actually guess that other than that all the, the scuttlebutt around the internet again um but i think that the ones you named are also pretty pretty logical and likely can can they do castlevania i, I don't know the answer to that i'm just thinking from like who owns the rights to that and uh how that would work i mean sony could do anything they uh, they could strike a deal with anyone with the right yeah, amount of, of money course. so i just i just i don't know that it's fair to say that uh the metroidvania genre is enjoying a bit of a renaissance because i don't know if it's ever been in a in a period of of regress no. or when it wasn't really unpopular but it certainly seems to be quite popular right now and you know we're seeing it with um 
you know, the Souls games and, and obviously Metroid Dread just came out and, and we're seeing indie games sort of adopt that style of game. So I think it would be cool to sort of go back to one of the original games in that genre and see it maybe put in 3D or, you know, just a really cool 2D remake or 2.5D or something like that. Um, so I think that's sort of my off the cuff uh, right. guess of what it might be but uh i don't know there's just been so much buzz around metal gear solid that i feel like it's probably going to be something like that yeah yeah i'd say so although with them re-releasing those uh those old castlevania games for the advance i mean maybe that was just to try to build up a little hype i don't know who knows mario kart 8 deluxe is now the best-selling mario kart game ever Dave, this just comes from uh, their website and somebody put this information together on a Reddit post and threw it up there. But I just I was looking around on the Nintendo website and it says top selling title sales units. The first one up is Mario Kart 8 Deluxe with thirty eight point seven four million pieces. Now, that's impressive. Don't get me wrong, but it's nowhere near as impressive when you realize that Mario Kart 8, without it being deluxe, sold like nine million units when it was on Wii U. So before it even came over to the Switch, and I'm pretty sure Mario Kart 7 sold like 19 million or 18 million somewhere. It was just under 20. I remember that for sure. But then you look at the next runner up here. We, we just talked about Nintendo being a powerhouse. Animal Crossing, which came out literally a year and a half ago. Mario Kart 8 came out, Deluxe came out, what, four years ago, right? When, when the Switch launched. Yeah. New Horizon almost five years ago. Animal Crossing New Horizons came out a year and a half ago, and they're already at 35 million, uh, just behind Mario Kart 8. So you have to assume that, like, what almost every person who owns a Switch owns these two games. At least like about half, right? Because I think they've sold about 70 million Switches, they said last I knew. So that's just crazy. I don't know. I didn't really have anything more to say about it, just that that's news and Yeah, I mean that that's it's insane and uh just focusing it back on mario kart 8 deluxe it's they added that deluxe so they could kind of separate it but this game is is starting to push into the conversation with like gta 5 and skyrim and stuff like that like those games that just keep getting released and released and i know it's only come out on wii you and then um it's pathetic compared to minecraft though the switch but it's just it's just (laughs) I don't know. It's just, it's a re-release of a game. And, you know, if we got a, if we got a, you know, a new Nintendo console, we'd probably get Nintendo or Mario Kart 8 Deluxe Plus or something like that. But right. I don't know. When I, when I started to, to, to read or through God this, forbid, Mario Kart 9. Yeah. I started to read through the comments and stuff. And I, I, I was thinking about, you know, the fact that this is an old game. It released uh-huh. on the Wii U. It got, you know, a, a little bit of an upgrade. But it's still a full price game today, as are the majority of Nintendo exclusives long after their release. And I know people kind of hate that Nintendo does that. And I started to think, like, is that wrong? Like, are we just conditioned to think that, you know, six months after your game comes out, we are entitled to a price drop because of, you know, the, the bar and the expectation that Ubisoft and and EA has sort of introduced and even PlayStation with their first party titles. It's not uncommon for them to go on sale, even just briefly for, you know, a week or two, uh, you know, six months or even three or four months after they launch. Right. Is Nintendo doing anything wrong by keeping these really, really old games and in some cases re-release games at full price? Or do we just have high expectations for, um, you know, what these games should cost six months out from launch. So that's sort of where my mind went when I started to think about Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. And uh, I don't know. What are your thoughts there? No, that's a that's a really good point. I mean, I'm with everybody when they talk, when they badmouth Nintendo for not having price drops and stuff. But there's two things there. The reality is they don't have to because people are going to keep buying it. And two, um, they don't have to like they, there's no reason you have to take a lower price for your product than what you have offered. Uh, I think you can buy most Nintendo games for 50 bucks new at Walmart most of the time, but pretty much everywhere else you're paying full price. So that also makes me think like, okay, GTA five has sold more units 
but how many of them have been at full price? And how many of them have they gotten 100% of the sale price? Because Mario Kart 8 gets Nintendo 100% of whatever it sells for, at least on digital storefronts, uh, you know, and, and only slightly less when they sell it to the stores, because believe it or not, stores only make a few bucks a piece on physical games. So it's really interesting to think about when you talk about it being the best-selling Mario Kart, eight, Kart Mario Kart game ever, and maybe the best Nintendo game on the Switch, it's also probably one of the most profitable games of the last decade, as far as, you know, not being a game with a bunch of microtransactions and stuff. Yeah, because as you said, like every single one of those copies probably sold at or near full price because they just don't lower their prices, which right. it's 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 insane to think about. Absolutely insane. But to further answer your question, I mean, no, I don't I don't think they're doing anything wrong. I mean, how many more copies would they sell if it was thirty dollars? Not that many. Like <laughs> if they if they bumped it down to thirty dollars tomorrow. How many people don't have Mario Kart 8 Deluxe that would run out and buy it that, that haven't bought it already in the last five years? Yeah, I don't know. I just I, I thought about it and I had the, like this devil's advocate moment where I thought to myself, why don't I have more Nintendo exclusives? And it's like I'm just conditioned to assume that, you know, after a game's been out for a while, it should come down in price. But it I and it's is that an unfair expectation? So it was just it was a weird thought that came through my head and and uh I mean, the value that you're getting from the game from specifically like uh, a Nintendo first party game from day one and two years out is basically the same. It sounds like I'm really defending Nintendo here and that's not what I'm trying to do. (laughs) But yeah, anyways, it is crazy to think that every single one of those copies sold at full price because that doesn't normally happen. You know, if Ubisoft announces uh, eight months from now that Far Cry 6 uh sold you know 10 million copies it's like yeah but we know a big chunk of those probably sold for 20 bucks on black friday or you know 10 bucks in in march or something like that so it is just crazy to think of absolutely and uh, yeah you're talking about the value you get out of specifically talking about mario kart 8 like it you you don't you don't stop playing mario kart 8 you might put it down for a while but you're gonna pick it back up at some point so Yeah. yeah excuse me uh okay this next story comes from ign and it says todd howard says making starfield was now or never even if elder scrolls 6 had to wait quote elder scrolls fans love the joke about the long gap between skyrim and the elder scrolls 6 which is now 10 years and counting director todd howard is more aware of this gap than ever but when it came to making starfield and diving into a whole new world it was pretty much now or never In a wide-ranging interview with IGN Unfiltered covering Skyrim's 10th anniversary, Starfield, and The Elder Scrolls VI, Howard talked about the lengthy list of projects that wound up pushing the project back upon the conclusion of Fallout 4 in 2015. Quote, Would you plan to have the kind of gap we're having between Skyrim and the follow-up? I can't say that's a good thing. Do I wish I could wave a wand and the game we wanted to make just came out? Absolutely. End quote. (coughs) Excuse me. Sorry about that. Um... So basically, he goes on to say that they had to make other games first, right? They had to make Fallout 76. I think it didn't do as well as they thought it would do, but it has come a long way, and I'm sure it's made them a ton of money, and many, many people are still playing that game. Um, they uh, didn't know if they made Elder Scrolls Six if they were going to get another chance to do something new, and part of that is because, in my opinion, well, one, you know, you you get to a point where you're, you're on a on a title and then you're like told like hey we can't make any other games there's also the sense that uh if they don't make starfield like before microsoft bought them we don't really know if they were doing well financially so if they were gonna have to work on a new project it needed to be something new that could get new players and not just fans of the series um so basically they've been working on starfield for a while uh they decided to push forward with it and put elder scrolls 6 on the back burner which means we'll probably get it in about 2030 or so (laughs) um but he also confirmed that uh starfield was he said it's basically an ink that's going to come out on the date they've announced which i think is sometime next it's sometime in 2022 is it november november 11th 2022 which is um basically 11 years from the point where uh skyrim came out which is just crazy to think it's a month tomorrow that's a month tomorrow a year tomorrow Sorry, a year tomorrow, month. Yeah, year, year uh, tomorrow. Um, a month tomorrow. Or, oh, I'm sorry. 
10 years ago tomorrow on the day this releases for patrons um, will be a decade since Skyrim came out. Ominous. My um, wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, we used to get together uh, once a week and it was it was going to be on that date. And I was like, look, we can either change the date or you can come over and watch me play Skyrim because <laughs> <laughs> it's coming out th- this day and I'm going to play it. So and she was like, I want to come over and watch you. And then she was really fascinated with the dragons. And then um, she never talked about it again. And that's that's when you knew Ben. She did marry me, but we'd also been actually she was my fiance at the time. We got engaged a few days before that. So she was kind of I mean, she's kind of stuck already for being real. That's when she knew she saw me slaying dragons and she knew (laughs) Dave. What do you think about, are you excited for Starfield or would you rather have another Elder Scrolls sooner? Not that you have a choice, but. No, I think it's, I, I'm looking forward to, I always love new IP and new IP coming from a, uh, a major AAA developer is always a cool thing. So I love this. Um, it was also pretty exciting to see uh, today or yesterday or whenever, I guess it might've been part of this article when Todd Howard came out and he's like, yeah, Starfield is basically playable from start to finish. Now yeah. playable from someone from Bethesda is obviously, but it's exciting <laughs> to see nonetheless. Has anybody checked on Maddie? Is he okay? Cause I, I feel like he may have, uh, this is exciting news for Maddie. I'll be editing defining Duke tonight. So I'll let you know. <laughs> You're going to hear all about it. But, yeah. and, and on the other side of it, like I, I was reading through this article and I was thinking like that they had to move on to something else because um, number one, they're still milking Skyrim for everything they absolutely can. And they have to move on or they have to get like the, the bad taste out of everybody's mouth that's come from Fallout 4. And I know Fallout 4 wasn't a bad game, but it wasn't as well received. And then obviously Fallout 76 is what it is. So it's like, you know, you had that sort of Fallout uh, Elder Scrolls thing that you were going back and forth from. It was time to sort of, you know, put something else big out there in an RPG world from Bethesda. Um, Elder Scrolls Online is still doing its thing. It, it's had a bit of a resurgence. So, yeah, I mean, they they kind of had to because there are other two major IPs in the RPG worlds we people really needed a break from, and they're still making a ton of money off Skyrim. So right. uh, he's saying, you know, the time is now, but it's like you kind of had no other choice. Um, but in any case, as a gamer, I'm really, really happy to see that this thing is so close and, you know, tomorrow in a one year from tomorrow we'll we'll all be playing starfield and hopefully it's going to be um an excellent excellent memorable game that is fully functioning or mostly functioning on day one because we all know what bethesda has a track record for when it comes to these uh rpgs so yeah Yeah. i'm uh i'm looking forward to starfield sorry that was a long-winded answer when i could have just said yes (laughs) i appreciated the long-winded answer I, i agree with much of what you said there uh, I do think it's interesting that to to forgo an established IP that you know is probably going to be profitable for a new IP that you have no idea. I mean, yeah, you know you have your reputation, your reputation. People like your games, maybe, but it's still a gamble. It's a gamble with anything, but it's less of a gamble with an established IP that sells well. Dave, also... You mentioned Fallout 4, and I just want to check my own memory. I feel like when when Fallout 4 came out, it was like everybody loved it, and, and maybe I wasn't watching the critics as closely at the time. But over the years, it's become like people have had much more distaste for it than they did at the time. Am I wrong? Did it was it bad? Like, was the reception bad when it came out or did that happen gradually? I seem to recall that the reception was good but there's issues and not your typical um fallout bethesda sort of launch issues but more like those things were there but i seem to recall the reception was a little bit lukewarm for a fallout game like it was like it's good you know i may be misremembering that but then obviously when 76 came out i think that changed how people looked at fallout 4 um sort of in their minds but yeah i seem to recall it being like it was good but it wasn't like this spectacular Fallout game. Um, I seem to recall people having issues uh, from a design perspective with like the house building and the fort building stuff you did. Like it was just a weird addition to a Fallout game. 
but they right. carried that over into 76 and made some refinements. So yeah, I mean, I'd have to go back and check, but I seem to recall that sort of being a, a lukewarm reception for a fallout game. Right. The next story comes from a tweet from Phil Spencer. And I moved this story around because I figured we'd want to talk about it in the, what you've been playing section as well. Uh, but it says we've invested for years in Xbox. This is directly from Phil. We've invested for years in Xbox. So more people can play with four and a half million players so far across PC cloud and console Forza horizon five shows that promise coming to life. Largest launch day for XGS, which is that Xbox game studios game peak concurrent, uh, three times Forza Horizon 4 high. Thank you, players, and congrats, congrats to the We Are Playground. Dave, four and a half million people were playing Forza Horizon 5 yesterday, which is the day it came out. And before that, before release, there were over a million playing. And keep in mind, not just you, but the, the listeners, this is a game that was on Game Pass. It's going to be on Game Pass. It's going to be free if you have Game Pass, essentially. And it's going to come out in four days. And you still had people shelling out extra money in order to play it early. Or maybe they didn't have Game Pass and they wanted to play it. That's an insane thing. Not only to have that many people playing concurrently, at or you know to, to be playing at all uh, that early in launch, but for people to be paying extra to play it a couple days early one that's going to be potentially included with your subscription is insane to me. What do you think? Yeah, I, I saw the tweet on Saturday from somebody. Uh, so my source here will be trust me, dude. Yeah. Um, but they had like over a million players who had logged in and played from Friday, Saturday and Sunday. So it's, it's insane. Like you have to assume that the vast majority of active Xbox players have game pass, but the fact that all those people shelled out that money to play it early or get the premium edition or whatever. It's pretty insane when, so it launched on Friday for people who bought the game and bought like the premium edition or whatever. And then on Tuesday, so yesterday, the ninth is when it actually came out on game pass. And the fact that they had so many players and then that quadrupled on Tuesday, uh, which is when the game came on game pass. And that's when I started playing it. It's, it's insane. I'm not as surprised that it's it smashed the Forza Horizon uh, four concurrent no, no. player numbers just because I seem to recall that you know Forza Horizon four in my opinion this is a game that I actually skipped and I love the Horizon series came out a little bit too soon after Horizon three I think there was a bit of fatigue there um, I'm not sure how close it came out to the last actual Forza Motorsport game so I'm not terribly surprised about that but. This just goes to show where Game Pass has gone in the past three years and how it's just become a staple for if you own an Xbox, you are subscribing to Game Pass. And it's it's just crazy to see. And it, it's just great to see that Playground Games is kind of getting their due because these yeah. games are absolutely quality. They are excellent games, whether you're into racing, more importantly, driving, because that's what these games are about. The Horizon games aren't about racing necessarily they're about driving and having fun and uh yeah this is this is a quality quality game and it's it's showing in the sales numbers so um you know i'm happy to see that so many people actually bought the game and this wasn't just a game pass uh sort of popularity thing so yeah hopefully this bodes well for the the series going forward dave the the wild thing and i kind of alluded to this earlier i know three people four people who were playing the game ahead of the the you know the game pass release the the day one essentially who were playing it ahead of time who had purchased the what was it forty or fifty dollar pass that you needed to be able to play it early and all of them are game pass subscribers so these people would have had the game four days later but they decided to pay the basically the price of a new game to actually purchase the game early and play it just a couple days early that's also wild to me because there are probably very few games I can think of in my life that if I were getting it as part of a subscription I had, or, you know, for lack of a better way to say it for, for free, um, that I would 
pay for. I mean, yeah. I can't think of almost any that I would pay that much to play it that a couple days early. And building on this, like I don't recall seeing a whole lot of pre-launch marketing for the game. I'm sure there was a lot. I'm sure there was was quite a bit out there. I don't recall seeing much. I can recall seeing a lot of Halo Infinite. Now, mm-hmm. I think part of the reason why this game was so popular is obviously it's it's the fifth game in the series. Forza Motorsport has been around for a long time, so it has a fan base. But right. I think Xbox owners have really been starving for something to legitimize their purchase, especially if they have a Series X or Series S. And this is really the first big game that's come out. Obviously, you could play it on Xbox One, but if you really want to experience how great this game is, then it's got to be on the Series X. And then if you combine that with the fact that Halo Infinite is coming out in three weeks, um, and yeah. this game has done so successful right off the bat, and again, I'm referring to the, you know, the weekend launch number or play numbers, not just what happened after it came out on Game Pass. Like, it's just crazy, and it's 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 great to see. So, right. yeah, yeah. And again, I I just think people have been starving for something, and finally they're getting rewarded with both Horizon and then Infinite in a couple of weeks. So, yeah, for sure. And the reviews have been stellar too. So I'm excited to jump into it. Um, but I, you have been playing it at least a little bit. I want to hear about it. Yeah, it's it's great. Um, what I will say is if you've played Horizon games in the past and you haven't liked them, um, I don't really think there's anything that's going to sway you here unless, again, you're a Series X or S owner and you've really been looking for something to show off the power of your new console, specifically with the X. Um, but yeah, it's just, it is so much fun. It's got such a great personality. Uh, something I've always loved about the Horizon games is the soundtrack. Like, there yeah. isn't a bad song in that game. Like, you go from Foo Fighters to like Bass Arena to the Arkells are in there, and everything is just so cool. And it just adds so much to the experience. Like, just because you're just driving and listening to great music, and and the game's beautiful and all that kind of stuff. Um, I've got about three or four hours into it so far, and I've just you know. I've just gotten lost. Like, you know, I'll, I'll drive to an event and then I'll just find something random to do. And then a random event will pop up. One of the coolest things I did is they have these events. I'm not sure if they're new or not, but they're basically called arcade events. So you join the event and then it tells you to drive to a certain location on the map and you drive to that location and it's not a specific point, but it's like an area. So I joined this event and I drove to this location and it took me to this area where there was all these sand dunes. And then this meter appeared at the bottom. And basically what I had to do was I had to take my Ford Bronco or whatever car I wanted and and drive as fast as I could over the sand dunes to get like a certain amount of air to fill this meter at the bottom of the screen. But I wasn't just doing it alone. All the other players in the world, like real actual players who had joined in the event, they were doing the same thing. So we were all these cars like jumping over these sand dunes. It was simple, such a simple thing, but it was so much fun. Yeah. Once we filled that meter, we then had to go to another spot on the map. And where we went, there was this massive jump and all the cars had to jump over it. And again, you just have to jump as far as possible, fill this meter, do it over a certain amount of time. And then you go to another thing. And it was just it was just stupid fun. And I was enjoying it with other people. And it was just something I completely stumbled across. Um so yeah, I mean, th- there's races events that are that are that are fun and it's just it nails this perfect mix between like uh, arcade and a tiny bit of sim and you can sort of tune the game however you want if you want, you know, a little bit more of a sim experience rather than just pure arcade sort of need for speed kind of stuff. And yeah, I I was really really looking forward to this game and thus far it has absolutely delivered, so I'm having a great time with it. That's awesome, man. I can't wait to jump into it. It's really I, I like racing games and I've played many racing games over the years, but I've never been somebody who was like anticipating a racing game. It was just like, oh, here's a racing game. I'll play this for a while. And this one is one that I've been like, I'm getting caught up in a little bit in the hype train now. But even before this, I was like, OK, I'm ready to play that. But honestly, mostly because I didn't have to make an extra financial investment because yeah. of Game Pass. So it's exciting for me. And I mean, that's the, that's the distinction that you have to make is like Forza Horizon is to me, it's not about racing. It's about driving because you just right, have yeah, such yeah, yeah. freedom to do whatever you want, whenever you want. Like you decide what's fun. And the cool thing is, is this new uh, feature in the game. I can't remember what it's called. I think it's called Forza Link, where basically the game looks at what you've been doing and how you've been interacting with the game. And then it will pre-populate events and put other players around you 
that the game thinks that you'd be interested in based on, you know, what you've done previously or where you've spent most of your time. So it's almost like it tailors this experience towards, um, you know, data that is collected on the things that you've interacted with in the game. So it, it almost evolves based on what you like and what you don't like. So, yeah, right. I'm really, really excited to jump in and play more. But uh, yeah, it's been it's been great fun so far. Nice. Awesome. Anything else you've been playing this week? I've I've been playing a lot. I haven't been on the show in in a couple of weeks, and and I've been uh, I've been playing quite a few video games. So um, I finally finished Outer Worlds. Um, good game, uh, nice. cool RPG with a short runtime, which is something we don't get very often. So yep. being able to to you know get through a game in ten to twelve hours was good. Final thoughts on Outer Worlds was a really funny game with an interesting story and great characters, but not that fun to play. And Mm. I hope they kind of address that in the sequel and make some of the gunplay and some of the way you interact with your um, companions and stuff like that a little bit better. Um, But yeah, for 12 hours, it's something I'll definitely check out the sequel for. Um, The other thing that I checked out is probably something that a lot of people, a lot of game pass owners checked out in the past week. Uh, I had my nephews or my, my wife's nephews over on the weekend and uh i booted up it takes two and oh, yeah. uh man they had a great time with that game we uh we sort of passed the controller around and and for two 11 year olds who they're pretty big gamers but uh i don't think this was the kind of game they normally play um again they're 11 year old twins so they fight a lot so seeing them cooperate together and try to get from point a to point b with two um separated parents turned dolls was pretty fun to see so that was a lot of fun and uh the other thing i've been playing uh we won't get super into this because i think we're going to save it for next week when brandon's back is call of duty vanguard um pick that up on launch um having a good time with it i really like the campaign um i think part of the reason why this stood out for me over battlefield 2042 is that it had that campaign um, I think initially when Battlefield 2042 was announced and they said it wouldn't have a campaign, I was a little, eh, I don't care. But when it came down to it, I thought, I kind of feel like playing a, a campaign right now and Call of right. Duty has that Battlefield won't. Um, so yeah, I'm liking the campaign. I've spent quite a bit of time in multiplayer. The time to kill has has really changed. I felt pretty good at uh, Cold War's multiplayer when it first launched. And I feel really shitty playing <laughs> Vanguard because I, I just feel like I'm dying a lot, but I'm still right. having a really good time with it and I'm slowly getting better. So yeah, I'm having a good time with Vanguard. Lots of maps. Progression is cool. Um, you know, it doesn't, it's not anything groundbreaking for Call of Duty, but it's, uh, it feels like a, you know, a, an old school Call of Duty. Really boots on the ground. Obviously, World War II setting uh, yep. has a lot to do with that. So, so Yeah. Forza Horizon, just finished Outer Worlds, It Takes Two, and uh, Vanguard. Nice, dude. That's awesome. I, uh, I've i also been playing Vanguard, and uh, I've only played a little bit because I've got some other stuff I'll talk about here. Um, and I just jumped in for maybe an hour or two with Brandon the other day. He was off work and called me, and I just happened to be available, and I, we just hopped in for a little bit. So I don't have a whole lot to say. I haven't touched the campaign yet, although I am anticipating... Um, I'll hit that next before I play a whole lot more multiplayer. Um, and hopefully by next week, I'll have a lot more to talk about there. Uh, I also, I, I mentioned a couple weeks on the show, weeks ago on the show, I think it was last week, actually, I got an insane deal on some um, uh, some games at Walmart that were like 2 and $4 a piece. Uh, included in that was Death Stranding. I booted that up. I played it when it came out originally uh, for, I don't know, 25 to 30 hours something like that ended up dropping it and just with brandon and dustin talking about it so much lately and then the new patch and everything i just decided i wanted to give it another shot uh i played about i don't know three hours of it this week and uh it's a really slow going at the beginning because you're just getting accustomed to everything and the game is i mean it's a slow game in general but so i haven't really got into the meat of what i remember enjoying uh i am enjoying it but it's very much so far um, just kind of like, I'm like, okay, well, I guess I should go back and play a little more of that. Uh, so I'm, ex- I'm, I'm excited for the part where I get into being excited to get back and play it rather than just feeling like I should go play it. Uh, and then the last thing that I've been playing out of the ordinary, um, is, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. I was really, really, really not anticipating playing this game 
at launch. And that was even still the case after the reviews came out and I saw how great they were. But I was like, I have so much else to play. There's so much else coming out that I want to get to that I'll wait for a price drop on this one. Black Friday's coming up soon. Christmas is coming up soon. I'm just going to wait. But then all of the people over at LSM started talking about maybe doing a spoiler cast for it. And I have to edit all those. And I'm the kind of guy who, if I get spoiled on a game or movie, I don't even want to play it or watch it anymore. I just like that. That's the whole fun of something for me. Even if it's not, even if it's a predictable ending, I want to not definitely know the ending until I get there. So they were talking about it. And I just casually mentioned like, you know, screw you guys. I was planning on waiting to play this. And someone who was privy to that conversation saw that and then sent me later, they sent me a steam code and they were like, Hey, just put this in steam real quick and see if it works. And I put it in and it automatically redeemed guardians of the galaxy. That was like, you bastard. <laughs> so I was gift. I was very, very appreciative. I was gifted guardians of the galaxy. Um, and I've been playing it and I'll tell you what, man, I, first of all, you know, I love Marvel. I will, I really like guardians of the galaxy. Everything I saw about this game, I was like, I don't know. And now that I'm playing it, I'm like, this game is very fun, very hilarious. And the story is actually really solid. Uh, so I'm just having a blast with it. I love the fact that like your your main character is Star-Lord Peter Quill. But if you're able to control the other characters in, in fight scenes as well and ask them to like do things and move things around for you and everything. Um, so... It, it's just surprising on a lot of different levels. First of all, it's surprising me even playing it because I wasn't planning to yet. And now that I'm playing it, uh, I'm just, I'm really enjoying it. I actually can't wait to get done with my work tonight and get, get back to it if I can. So um, I'll have more to say on that. I'm sure in the future, but I'm probably, I'm, I think I'm close to halfway done with it already. And I've only had a couple sessions in it. And my sessions aren't usually very long for single player games, but um if I'm if I'm not streaming a game, I probably am only putting an hour or two in it at a time. But this one, I've been like, okay, just one more chapter, one more chapter. Uh, so it's it's really enjoyable to me, and I'm I'm loving it a lot. So I would recommend it so far to anybody who has the ability to play it. Nice, yeah. And that's it. That's all I'm playing. So I think. you just sort of stocked up on a whole bunch of games. So I don't know uh, what your appetite would be to answer this question, but. Uh, Black Friday is in a week and a half. Um, what would you love to see go on sale on Black Friday that you would actually pick up? Oh, man, there is not a whole lot, honestly, um, because my appetite just isn't there for anything that might get a price drop right now. Uh, and pretty much anything that I would have said, Death Stranding would be one that I would have said that I'd like to give another shot, but I wasn't going to pay full price for it but I just bought it for literally $4. So I, I can't anticipate a better deal than that. Um, yeah, I can't really think of a game that I'm wanting to play right now that I don't have access to through Game Pass or don't already own. What about you? Um, I, I haven't really given my PS5 the uh, next-gen love it deserved. I skipped, um, I skipped Returnal and Ratchet and & Clank. And uh, I know this isn't a next-gen uh, title, but I also skipped The Last of Us Part Two just because I wasn't in the mind frame to play it when it came out. Yeah. So I think those are three games I'm going to have my eye out for. And uh, if the price is right, I'll probably um, jump in and play. And honestly, the only next-gen thing I've played on my PS5 is uh, Demon Souls. So okay, yeah. uh, it'd be nice to, to sort of you know justify that purchase a little bit more because all I feel like I've really done is played old PS4 games and call of duty the whole first year because it's been a year now a year uh a year soon in, here yeah yeah it's been yeah. a year since we've had our next gen consoles so yeah um, although mine was uh sony had mine for three months but that's a different story <laughs> speaking of returnal yeah. um so yeah i'm gonna keep my eye out for those but uh yeah black friday is always exciting uh we're in the full swing of the holiday gaming season we've got big games that have come we've got big big that big games that are coming with battlefield and, and halo and the grand theft auto stuff so it's exciting times in the gaming world that's for sure yeah it is yeah i was just thinking about how little i've played my playstation 5 since i've had it and i mean i've played it a fair amount but comparatively to previous console launches i feel like i've barely touched it and and i kind of regret that a little bit but um i mean honestly i just I've been playing stuff on PC that I want to play so much more. Uh, the one thing I will say is that even if you're playing older games on the PS5, I think it's worth it from the standpoint of like better graphics, better performance, everything. So I don't regret buying mine. 
and uh i think very few people who have one do but i will say at the same time like yeah there's it's just there's just still not a whole lot out there for it i was gonna say too I, i'll send you uh, i'll let you borrow returnal and uh ratchet and clank but there's two things one um i would have to ship them across the border and it'd probably cost as much as just sending you the money for it and two um you don't have a disk drive so no. that would make it difficult you can just send me the money it's fine yeah i'm not gonna do that either <laughs> i'm saying if i were gonna spend that amount of money right yeah cool all right, dude. Well, I think that's it for the show. Guys, remember, come on over and uh, join our Discord over at handsomephantom.com slash Discord. You can join there for free. If you do happen to sign up on Patreon at a dollar a month or more, you can get a special nameplate in Discord that'll tell you how much of a favorite person of ours you are. Other than that, Dave, you got anything else? No, I think uh, let's put a bow on it, my guy. All right, dude. See you guys next time. The HP Podcast and HandsomePhantom.com are supported by our proud patrons over at Patreon. If you want to support the show, head over to Patreon.com slash HandsomePhantom. Htrons, Maurice Bays, Passive Pixels, Edwin Castillo, Fusebro, Boots, Poot, Jared, Josh Cummings, Edward Walton, Charles Peterson, Toby Ryland, Straw Hat Ninja, Jared Cavallero, Jason Canham, and Kevin Lucas.